Well, hello, everybody. Good morning. Good to see you. My name's Glenn. I'm one of our pastors at our church, and I'm so excited that you're here today, especially if you're here for the very first time. Let me be the first from the stage to say, welcome home. We are so glad that you're with us today. Let me look right in the camera. If you're watching us online, thanks for being with us today. We'd love to see you in one of our services real soon. And City Church, can we put our hands together and welcome everybody that might be here for the first time? Welcome home. We are in the third part of a four-part series called Untold Stories, where we're looking at real-life stories right in our own church of how God is redeeming stories. And, and we're learning that if God can redeem their stories, he can redeem our stories. And first week, we kicked this off on Easter Sunday, and we learned about resurrection. We learned the power of resurrection the second thing we learned uh, last week was a story from a woman named Maida, and we learned about how to deal with grief. And can I just, I thought our pastor just blew it out of the park last Sunday. I thought that was so good. Can we give him a hand for that? And if you missed it, you need to listen. I threw on social media just a real good looking picture of him, you know, because it's so easy. <laughs> and I just said, I'm so grateful for a pastor that helps his people process pain. Um, I, I, just, I just thought that was so helpful to me, to my own marriage. It was awesome. And I can't wait to share with you today. You're going to hear a story from a woman, a great woman, right inside of our church named Aura. And the topic we're going to talk about can make or break you. And I'm really glad that you showed up today because the topic we're going to talk about is a serious topic. It can make your marriage and it can break your marriage. It can make your business. It can break your business. It can make you as a good friend and it can break you as a good friend. And so I want you to check out this untold story. My name is Aura Lynn Rouse. I never went to church. I hung out with the older crowd. We drank and we started partying. At a really young age of 13, I was walking home from a party on the beach. I lived in New Jersey. A guy from the party was walking me home. It was actually my first uh, sexual encounter against my will. It kind of kept me from having any relations, I was a little scared after that. I continued to party. At one point, my mom had to send me to Vineland Children's Residential Treatment Center, a co-ed place for bad kids. We came to Florida. I quit school, and I was going to go get my GED and go to work. My daughter was born in 91. 1993, I had my first DUI. So I had several many uh, bouts where I went to the county jail for a little while, a couple days here and there and my mom would always bail me out. I had a, a violation of probation and you can't bond out. So I was stuck in the county for 90 days. Uh, I got the news that my mom had cancer. Through that time, I, I saw those nurses, you know, as they cared for my mom, and I finally knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. I'm gonna be a nurse. I graduated with my RN. I bought my first new car, and I went and bought my first new home, and I had a, like, a real job at the hospital. Things were good. I was feeling really good about myself and life. Uh, at the hospital, there were some ladies, you know, nurses like to work hard, party hard, and um, I kind of know some people in the hood, and they wanted some coke, and so I knew where to get it. That's where I met my now ex-husband. He was not a good influence in my life. Drank a lot, did some cocaine, sold cocaine. I got pregnant with Jordan. And then a friend of mine told me that he got my friend pregnant. I immediately went home and packed all his things. I was, by the way, clean and sober at that point. When tragedy struck, I, I almost went and had an emotional breakdown. Uh, remember that night, my daughter, she had recently been saved. She's like, mommy, just come to church with me. You know, you'll feel better. And 
And I was like, ah, I don't want to hear anything about church. I don't want to hear anything about God. Got my little black dress on and I went out. We went to like one or two different bars. I had a drink or two. We leave there. On the way back, I'm on 1792. I fall asleep and I hear a big loud crash. Boom. And I wake up like, like where am I at? What, what's going on? And so my windshield has a big gash in it. And then the police come and, um, and he says, uh, you know, you hit somebody. Two gentlemen come. Um, detectives and they bring me to this room like a bad dream um, and they have this little envelope you know folder and it says homicide I just remember how tight the handcuffs were and how they were holding my arm like really like deep in I really was just literally in a state of shock somebody's gonna pinch me this is really a bad dream and I'm gonna wake up pretty soon it took a minute I said wait a minute do you mean he's dead how can I forgive myself for what I had done? I couldn't believe that after being sober for two years that I allowed myself to go back to the same way that I was. The person who saved lives now took a life. I got no excuses all of these goodbyes call me when it's over cause I'm dying inside and wake me when the shakes are gone and the cold sweats disappear call me when it's over and myself has reappeared cause I don't know, I don't know, I don't know I don't know why I do it every, every, every time it's only when I'm lonely Sometimes I just want to cave and I don't want to fight I try and I try and I try and I try and I try Just hold me I'm lonely Mama, I'm so sorry I'm not sober anymore Daddy, please forgive me For the drink spilled on the floor To the ones who've never left me We've been down this road before I'm so sorry I'm not sober anymore Anymore I'm sorry to the friends I lost To the ones who felt betrayed For lying to you every time You asked if I'm okay And I'm sorry to the fans I lost Watch me fall again I want to be a role model But I'm only human And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know why I do it every, every, every time It's only when I'm lonely And sometimes I just want to cave and I don't want to fight I try and I try and I try and I try and I try Just hold me so sorry I'm not sober anymore daddy please forgive me for the drink spilled on the floor to the ones who've never left me we've been down this road before I'm so sorry I'm not sober mama I'm so sorry I'm not sober anymore daddy please forgive me 
I think most of us can't relate fully to Aura's story. She was raped at 13, um, cheated on with her best friend, and in one, when everything was going well, in one moment of just misjudgment, finds herself behind bars in handcuffs. And, but let me tell you what all of us can relate with, and it's these two words. Are you ready? I'm offended. Am I right? Every single one of us in the room, no matter how young or how old we are, we've all dealt with this. In fact, some of the things that happened to Aura was because she did not know how to deal with some of the offenses that happened in her life. And so uh, I just want to be clear. I think, I think we all can agree that all of us have said these words, whether we've said them audibly or in our hearts, I'm offended. And the, the offense simply means this. It simply means a violation. It's a feeling of being violated by someone or something. And there are lots of things that, that can make us feel that way, right? Can I just, let's just throw out a couple here. The first one would be words. It's, it's negative things that have been said towards you. You're never good enough. You never make it. You're not tall enough. You're not strong enough. You're not good looking enough. You, 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 can't, you can't be like him. It's this comparison thing. In fact, it's not just the words that have been said to you. It's also the words that you've looked in the mirror and said to yourself. And we, we look at social media. We look at somebody's filtered victory and immediately compare it with our own negativity. And so honestly, we violated our own self-esteem. We violated our own stuff, and we've had hurtful things that have been said to us. Second thing that I think we all can agree with is that there's just been relationships that have violated us. Maybe it was a, it was a boyfriend in middle school or a best friend in grade school. Maybe it's a spouse that walked out or, or a dad that, well, I, I don't know what it might be, but we know that relationships can hurt us. And the truth is, am I right? The closer the relationship, the more impact it can have, right? Third one is this, is experiences. We've all had experience in our, in our lives that have just, they violated us. They, they, didn't, they didn't meet up. They, they weren't right. Maybe you got laid off or maybe you didn't get into that school. Or maybe you, you didn't end up with that girl or that guy or your best friend excelled and you didn't and you're walking through that experience. Or maybe you got into an experience, it was a fight, that honestly, you leaving there feel violated. The truth is we're all in this. It doesn't make a difference how much money you have or don't have. All of us have experienced the pain of offense. Here's the last one, which I think is a deadly killer. It's not just the things that have been done to you. It's the things that you think should have been done to you. And so it's not that the negative words weren't there, it's that there wasn't enough positive words. In fact, I, I had the opportunity and privilege to serve this church in our youth ministry for 10 years. And can I tell you, out of all four of these, this was the one that students dealt with the most. 
This is the silent killer that probably every person in here you can agree with. It's that it's the fact that dad wasn't there. It wasn't the negative or positive things that, that's, that they said. It was the fact that he wasn't there at the prom thing. He wasn't there when I thought he should have been. Or mom wasn't there. Or the spouse didn't meet up. Or the husband never quite could just quite get enough. And so you've got these unmet expectations and they all lead to offense. Now I've got some, I, I, I feel like it's a comforting, a comforting verse for you. And it's found in Luke. And look at what this says. This is what Jesus says, all right? He says, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no, what? Offenses. Offenses should come. So you can look at this two ways. You can look at it negatively or positively. The negative part is that if you're breathing, you're gonna get violated. And that stinks, right? We live in a fallen world. Like that, that hurts. And the truth is that there is pain to this world, right? But we also can look at it maybe positively, this verse. We can say, you know what? If God knows that we will be violated, maybe we can trust in him to work it out. That maybe every violation that's ever happened, if it didn't take God by surprise, maybe it doesn't have to take you by surprise. Like maybe there's a spiritual transformation that can happen in our hearts and in our lives that could actually walk this thing out and get to the other side. I want to just pause this for a moment. That word offense in the Greek and in the Hebrew, actually could be translated as trap. Another translation could be bait. In fact, some people would say that it is the bait of Satan. It is Satan's bait to mess you up. It's like a trap. It's how hunters would trap people to kill and eat. And the enemy wants to use a fence to trap you, to kill you, and ultimately destroy you. In fact, I actually, I have, I have a, 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 an image that I want to show you, and our, our youth pastor is here. I needed somebody that was extremely good looking, and I didn't know who else to pick other than Pastor Joe Suro. And so, you got an applause. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Um, okay, now I just, I want to be clear, because I wanted to show you, you, you have handcuffs in your, uh, these are toy handcuffs. Um, I don't know where you got them from, but I don't want to know. Um, and so, but I just, I want to show you here, this, this is what, maybe a modern day image of what I think offense looks like. It's this. Because I, I would also translate offense as not only, not only a trap, but also I would say a restraint. And I just want you to get a mental image of what it looks like when you get violated. Is that if you don't learn how to deal with it, here's, here's where you end up. Let me ask you a question. How do I lift up holy hands to worship God when I'm restrained by offense? Let me ask you a question. How do I extend a hand to someone in need when I'm restrained by offense? How do I wrap my arms around somebody that needs help when I'm dealing with my own offense. But I've got good news for you today. God wants to set you free from your offense. Like there is, there is freedom for that offense. Let me just ask you another, another simple question. How do I get out of this? Can I get out of these handcuffs on my own? The same is true with those that have offended you. 
You cannot get out of it on your own. You need someone else strapping and good looking. You need a savior type person to come in and help get those handcuffs off of you and set you free. And I'm here to tell you, you are in the right room today. Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to take those shackles off of your your hands and set you free to extend, to be, to do everything that God has called you you to. And I want to help you with that. In fact, can I tell you what, what the solution is? It's this word, forgiveness. It's forgiveness. I think the reason why many of us do not forgive is because really there's multiple things, but I'm going to pick on two today, is that first of all, we don't understand what it is. We have a misinterpretation of what biblical forgiveness is. And secondly, we just don't know how to walk it out. Like, how do you actually do it? And I want to answer those two questions today. But first of all, let me just tell you what, what forgiveness does not mean. Forgiveness does not mean this. It doesn't mean the offense is any less serious. So whatever's happened to you, biblical forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to act like it is just this mamby-pamby something. No, it's as real as it is, it's as big as it is, and that is very okay with God, all right? You don't have to make it any less serious. Second one is this. It doesn't mean that we act like it never happened. In fact, one of the things I love about this community of people in this church is that we allow, I think, each other to be real. Am I right? Like, like, it's okay to not show up with a smile on your face every single Sunday. It's okay to have a moment of tears. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to not, to not have everything figured out, right? Am I, am I in the right room? So we don't act like it never happened, man. Like, we, we stay real about it. Third thing is this, is it doesn't mean the relationship is restored. So that word relationship restored could be, trans, you could just say reconciliation, I want to be clear, reconciliation and forgiveness are two different things. Reconciliation requires two different people to come together. Forgiveness is a one-player game. It's all on you. In fact, the person that offended you probably didn't lose sleep last night. They aren't finding themselves in shackles. It's you that needs to deal with it. And I'm here to tell you that God, and I, I want to be clear, God doesn't want, oh, you, yeah, you can clap if you want to. You might clap with what I'm about to say, but we'll see. Forgiveness is not something that God wants from you. It's something that God wants for you. He wants you to know him and he wants you to find freedom. And I think that's part of, that's part of re- receiving his teaching and, and all of that. So let me, let me get the fourth one here. Is this, it doesn't mean that we trust the same again either. So it doesn't mean that we just blindly go back into the thing that offended us before. No, we go in there smarter than before. So what does forgiveness mean? It means this. It's the most simple definition I can give is this. It's a letting go of that violation. It's letting go of that offense. Biblical forgiveness, I would say, is knowing full well in your heart exactly what's happened. You're not minimizing it. You're not acting like it wasn't there. You fully well know what happened and how it hurts you. You know the full feeling of the pain, and you choose not to repay that pain. You choose to let it go. You let go of that offense. And I want to show you how to do that today. And can I just ask maybe just a question is, where do we learn how to do this from? Jesus. Yes, that was a Sunday school answer right there. But I'm serious. Like We learn how to do this from Jesus. He's not only our model, he's also our teacher. 
And I want to show you some things in Scripture. In fact, Paul, I, I, I think, really made it very clear here to the church at Ephesus. He said, guys, be kind and compassionate to one another. So how do we do that? Well, you forgive each other. So how do we forgive each other? Okay, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So where is the model? Where is the example? It's Jesus. And I want to show you in Scripture three steps to forgiving people that have, a violate, that have violated you. And here's, the, here's a quote I want to give you. You can write it down if you'd like to. Is this. God's power shows up when we do it God's way. Because you're right. Like At this point, you have two choices. You can stay shackled and try to do it on your own which most of us do. We cover it up with pills. We cover it up with drugs. We cover it up with relationships. We cover it up with just diving into our business, diving into our job, losing ourselves somewhere else. Or we can hear from God and the only one that can set you free, I believe, is Jesus through his spirit. Can I get a good amen? Am I right? But if you want that power to show up, we need to do it his way. And so here's step number one that Jesus would say is this. Pray. Pray for people who have offended you. You go, oh, I'll pray. I pray that a lightning bolt <laughs> strikes them dead. I pray that the stings of a thousand bees sting them. I've thought this through too much, haven't I? I found this verse in the 58th Psalm. The Psalm has said, God, break their teeth. I'm like, man, I received that one. Yeah, man, give them wicked teeth. Every time they ever do a social media post, it's going to look terrible. Get them, God. You know? No, that's not, that's not what we're saying here. That's not what God's saying. Let, let's see what God says. Let's see what Jesus says here. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you this, love your enemies and what? Pray, pray for, not just anybody, pray for those who persecute you, those who hurt those who bring pain, those who violate, those who cause offense, pray for them. You go, you have no idea what they went through. I'm just telling you, listen, you can do it your way or you can do it God's way. And if you want God to spiritually transform you, how many of y'all know this is true? You can go out and try to get even and all that stuff. It doesn't work. I don't care what the movies say. It may make a good movie, but it ain't fun in life. I'm telling you. And so we, we pray. And so God Lord, as hard as it is, I conjure up the faith just to say, God, would you be with them? God, would you transform them? God, would you, would you change, change them? And can I tell you something? Even if you never see your prayers change them, it will always change you. It will always change you. It, like, it's hard to be mad at somebody that you're praying for. It just, it just is. It's just difficult to do that. All right, uh, uh, step two is this. So not only does God tell us to pray, God would tell us to bless those people. That word bless simply means to speak well of, to not, to not curse. All right, let me just show you a verse here. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. And then he even clarifies, he says, bless and do not curse. Bless, speak well of, and not negatively of. And that doesn't just mean in public. That means in private. That means in your heart. It's a heart check to start blessing other people. 
And parents, can I just stop for a second and just tell you, your kids can't handle the hypocrisy. They can't handle it. So on social media, you're saying one thing to your boss, you say something else, and then you get around the dinner table and you start speaking negatively about people. Your kids don't know how to process bad theology. Because God doesn't do that. Right? I mean, it's a big deal. So we, we need to learn to speak blessing. God, we pray that you would bless them, favor them today. I know that this is not easy to do. But if you want to see God's power show up, we need to do it God's way. So we don't only pray, we also bless. And here's step three, is not only do we bless, but actually God's called us to do good to those people. Wow. So what does that mean? Simple, simplest way I could say is I would try to do something unexpected in their life. So not only are we going to pray for them, not only are we going to bless them, we're going to do good for them. And you may be here and you go, Glenn, you have no idea how unfair they are. There's no way I'm doing something good for them. They, it has not been fair. Last time I checked, we don't want fair. Last time I checked, I ain't looking for fair. Because fair puts me in hell. Because I'm, I'm a bigger sinner than anybody here. Come on, am I in the right room? I'm not looking for fair. Fair ain't, fair ain't, the, ain't the barometer I want. In fact, I need grace. Like, I need a savior that even though it wasn't, it wasn't fair to put him on a cross, yet that was God's forgiveness plan, right? So I know this may be challenging to you, but I'm telling you, listen, I don't, whatever it was, and I'm, I, we live in a fallen world, but you, if you're here, God wants to set you free. He wants to set you free, but it's, it's, it's praying, it's blessing, it's doing good. And as you walk through these, let me show you the verse. Luke chapter six, verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. How do we do it? Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. In fact, if there was one verse to memorize today's sermon by, this is actually all three steps in one verse. In fact, if I could just show you a diagram, I think this is the process of forgiveness. This one verse here is that we're, we are in a position of praying, we're in a position of doing good, and we're in a position of blessing. Because how many of y'all know forgiveness is never a one-time thing? We may forgive them today, but the truth is that bait can still be alive. And 10 years down the road, we watched a movie, we saw something, a guy did something to us, a girl did, and all of a sudden, every past thing starts following up. So what do you do? You come back to this thing and we say, God, we're going to pray. We're going to bless. We're going to do good. I'm telling you, listen, God will set you free. He will set you free. I'm telling you, he will set you free. You may be here going, how can I trust Jesus in all this? I mean, he's God. I'm not God. Like, I'm just a human. Like, I'm, like how, how can I even be there? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says this, speaking of Jesus, because I Listen, receive comfort here. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Because this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. So how, why does he understand our weaknesses? Well, it goes on. For he faced all the same testings, yet he did not sin. I think there's so many things that I love about Jesus, but one of them is that he has experienced what we've experienced. 
And through the power of the Spirit, he has overcome. And you can too. You can too. You can actually be free. And Romans would say, listen, don't repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. Man, let's, let's pray, let's bless, let's do good, and let's lean into Jesus. Jesus is here. He's the only one that can set you free. We have a high priest that we can lean into. We can receive the Spirit's power in our lives. And I'm telling you, Jesus wants to change your story, just like he changed Aura's story. Check out the rest of the untold story. Somebody's gonna pinch me, this is really a bad dream and I'm gonna wake up pretty soon. It took a minute. I said, wait a minute, do you mean he's dead? How can I forgive myself for what I had done? I couldn't believe that after being sober for two years that I allowed myself to go back to the same way that I was. The person who saved lives now took a life. I remember driving to Johnny Polk in the back of the car. I get to the holding cell, and um, on the wall is Exodus 14, 14. Stand still, you know, that he, he will fight for me. Really met God there, you know, he really, really showed me uh, himself. I learned uh, oh so much about him and about his ways and his word, and I became the, um, the chaplain's assistant and went to every service they had. I went to every, every time they opened that door, I was there, I was in my word, I was teaching back in the, the cell. This is somebody who never had a Bible in their hand. I had to really work through some tough things, you know, I really had to work on forgiving my ex-husband and forgiving myself, which I think was the last and hardest um, process. The fellow that I hit, he was homeless. I felt like I needed closure. I felt like I needed to help in some kind of way for what I had done. How can I forgive myself? How, how can you not forgive yourself if Jesus forgave you? He died on the cross for everything that I ever did. He already knew that I was going to do this jacked up stuff. He already knew the mistakes I was going to make, and he still loved me. Forgiveness is a process. I'm just really grateful. I was released of 22 years probation. They restored my nursing license. I became uh, a legal nurse consultant. I have a clothing closet, angelsofmercyministries.org. I'm restored. You know, God has restored everything. He really has given me back my home. He's given me back my family, my career. He's fought for me ever since that moment. You know, He's always fought for me throughout my whole entire life. I've seen him always there by my side, even though I, I didn't pay him any mind, even though I lived my life the way I wanted to, he was always waiting, just waiting for me to open my eyes finally and see that he was the way. Every wrong turn I made, he made that right, you know, and he helped me. I have a story. God gave me a testimony. Um, he allowed me to go through some tough things in life. He um, brought me out of that miry clay, and uh, I'm a new creature in him. Hey, actually, uh, Aura's here. Aura, would you stand up and can we honor her and celebrate how God has changed her story? Go ahead, everybody, just stay standing. If you're not standing, if you're not standing yet, can you please stand and and you can direct your um, eyes towards the stage.
Jesus changed Ora's story. It wasn't a self-help thing. It wasn't like she tried it. She, she, did, she did not get out of all that by herself. And I'm, listen, Jesus wants to change your story. You're here today. It's not by accident. And every one of you, man, you got a story. And I'm here to tell you that God can turn that pain. God can turn that offense around. And I believe it starts with the relationship with him.